This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to the Triple Vision podcast, your window into the past, present, and future of blindness in Canada. This podcast has been made possible by a generous contribution from T-Base Communications and the support of the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. The mission of Triple Vision is to gather and document previously untold Canadian blindness narratives, one lived experience at a time, and to make our history accessible and universally known. Hello and welcome to Triple Vision. I'm David Best. This is our fifth and final episode on the history of education for blind Canadians. So let's jump right into it. Peter, what have you and Hannah got for us today? This morning on Triple Vision, we're continuing our series on education, and I'm pleased to uh, introduce uh, Sean Marsales, who is the founder of the organization Blind Beginnings. Welcome to Triple Vision, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you just describe who you are and what you do for our audience? Yeah, I'm the founder and the director of programs and community engagement at Blind Beginnings. Blind Beginnings is a nonprofit charitable organization that was founded in 2008 to support families with children who are blind or partially sighted across British Columbia. So we provide a range of support, including counseling and support groups for parents and and teens, a youth leadership pre-employment program, uh, summer camps, community discovery outings, uh, lots of virtual programs now since COVID as well. So really trying to connect families with each other, provide mentors to the younger children and their parents, and and just create a community of support. So Sean, how did you get from, well, how did you get into this? So I understand that um, you, speaking of education, you did your education in an integrated setting. Is that right? Yeah, I started elementary school the year that Jericho School for the Blind closed. So I was kind of that first wave of integration. Um, I have a degenerative eye condition. I have RP. So I was diagnosed when I was five, but had enough vision to kind of navigate okay through school um, until high school when, you know, the print gets smaller and the books get longer. So I did have a teacher of the visually impaired but really went through mainstream school. I kind of, you know, was the only blind child in my school and didn't really feel like the regular curriculum worked for me. And, you know, academically it was fine, but PE wasn't great. Uh, I definitely didn't get involved in a lot of extracurricular activities or, you know, just felt really insecure and different a lot of the time. Um, After my bachelor's degree, I applied to work, do an internship, and I ended up at a school for the blind in England for six months working there. And I realized, wow, like these kids get to be the star in the school play. They had a recording studio where they're creating their own music and and making CDs and, you know, reciting their own poetry that they had written. And and I really, for the first time, was able to see the talent and the personality and, and the strengths. And I thought, okay, we need... We need something like this, but we still need to be 
you know, I think integration is still the way to go personally. Um, cause I also saw these kids going home on the weekends and when they would come back on Monday and I would ask them how their weekend was, they would say it was really boring. They just sat in their room all weekend listening to the radio. Mm. So in a way it was like parents didn't really know what to do with their kids because they didn't have to know what to do with them because most of the time they were at the school. So I don't know. I think Blind Beginnings was created to to be a bit of that balance of like, you're still going to be going to a regular school and interacting with sighted peers because that's what real life is like. But at the same time, we can have programs where you can make friends that are also blind. You can see role models who are blind. Uh, you can learn blindness skills. You can have this community of support. How do you think your students are doing? I think we've created a pretty awesome community. You know, when I was growing up, I would go to summer camp one week of the year, and that was the only time of year that I felt normal, that I felt popular, uh, that I had a boyfriend, you know, just all the things like that was that one week of the year. I didn't have to think about being blind because everybody was blind. And I, I feel that's kind of what I want to create at Blind Beginnings, a place where kids, youth come together and can just be teens and hang out. And there's drama sometimes. There's, you know, they're, they're still teens. <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, but I think they do get to have their blindness normalized. Um, we have a, a pretty positive perspective of blindness, a no limits philosophy. So they get encouraged. It's an environment where, yeah, they're kind of told that they can do whatever it is they want to do. Mm. And, and we're here to support you do it to do it. When they talk to you about their education and what's happening in school, what kinds of things do they say? Yeah, well, it's so varied because, you know, so much comes down to uh, partly the teacher of the visually impaired. How experienced are they? What communities do they live in? Is it rural? Is it in the city? Are there other blind students close by that they've been connected with? What's their classroom teacher like? Are they willing to accommodate and think outside the box? So some people have an amazing school experience and others have a more challenged school experience. Um, I think something really common that comes up is, is PE. Some mm -hmm. kids are pulled out of PE because it's, you know, deemed too dangerous. That happened to me in elementary school. Uh, and then in high school, I was put in a, a rehabilitation PE class for all kids with disabilities, which didn't really fit for me. I was still the only blind student and we were still playing volleyball and badminton. So, <laughs> you know, just yeah. with a bigger, softer ball, like that doesn't really solve the problem. So I think there's certain areas where, uh, you know, a lot of kids are pulled out of PE to do mobility, orientation and mobility during that time. But physical education is still important too. So yeah, it really varies. That's interesting that we're still working out the kinks of integration after <clears throat> Jericho closed 42 years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you ever go into schools? Is that a role that you take on? Yeah, and we, well, I love doing presentations in schools and we have a lot of youth. We kind of, we've, we created a bit of a speakers bureau of youth as well, who will go into schools and talk about blindness and do some public education. And I love that. I think, you know, if we can educate the children they're going to grow up and be more accepting and, and inclusive as well. Okay. We don't necessarily go in to talk about how to make the system better. We mm -hmm. just talk about, you know, how we do things and, and that we can do things right to kind of raise the expectations for blindness, I think across the board. 
Yeah, that's interesting. You're educating students as well as teachers when you go into the school system. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite thing about Blind Beginnings? What are you proud of most in terms of what you do there? I would say the community that we have built. We do family retreats for uh, families with kids birth to five. They're called our Mm. early intervention family retreats. And when families come to these weekend retreats, it's often their first time. They're really uncertain. They're grieving their child's blindness in a lot of cases. They've never met another child that's blind. And they get to connect with other families who are going through the same thing. And and then over the course of the weekend, we're introducing them to, you know, how their child might learn Braille when they get to school or how a white cane works and what you can do with it. And also older blind youth and, and adults to, to sort of demonstrate like, look, this is this is right. what your future can look like. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not going to be as devastating as you're imagining. Um, and so they, they sort of gain this positive, hopeful, I guess they gain hope, but also they meet each other. And now they have this network of support that they are mm-hmm. continuing to connect with beyond that retreat. And those friendships are, you know, can, can go on. And I mean, Blind Beginnings has only been around for 14 years, but I think they will continue. They'll, they'll follow each other through their children's lives. I think that's pretty awesome. I think this discussion is really interesting, and one of the reasons why I think it's interesting, everybody that we've interviewed uh, who went to a segregated school talked about the community and talked about mm-hmm. their peers and and developed these lifelong friendships. And it, it seems like that's what was being lost with integration, is that while people are getting exposed to education and being able to stay in their community and, and be integrated, there wasn't that opportunity for um, community building. And it sounds like that's that's a big part of what Blind Beginnings is doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I think about when I was growing up, there was no uh, internet yet <laughs> or email. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, friends, the friends that I made at camp that one week of the year, we were literally typing letters in the mail. And in some cases, people had to get a friend to read it to them if it was, you know, a large print reader versus a Braille reader. Uh, it, yeah, like I still am friends with people I met at summer camp because your blind friends are just they're a special breed, right? There's nothing else Mm. like that group of people that really truly understands what your life's like. I think a big part of what I'm trying to do is, you know, like realizing how much internalized ableism I grew up feeling and, and still tackle some, you know, myself as a, in my forties person, (laughs) um, it's really hard. I think when you're when you are growing up in an environment where you're the only person with a disability most of the time, that's natural that you're going to have a lot of self-esteem issues and feel less than. When I think of how long it took me to be comfortable using a white cane because of the shame I felt using it. So, you know, when you're surrounded by other people that are like you, you get to just focus on who you are, not not this blind part that you're constantly trying to overcompensate for. So I really that that's why we have such a positive, you know, perspective of blindness at Blind Beginnings. It's it's sort of like 
almost trying to cram it down their throats that you are, you are great just the way you are. You are perfect just the way you are. You are not less than, if anything, your blindness makes you more interesting, uh, you know, whatever, like you can still do things. This doesn't have to get in the way, but yeah, just trying to like erase all the other messaging that they're getting possibly in all the other aspects of their life where they are the only person who has a disability. Great. Well, I want to thank you for joining us, Sean. Um, it's a great story, a great success story. And um, 14 years is a good start. And, uh, you know, we're hoping for a lot more, um, a lot more of that in the future. So thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Hi again. As a follow-up to our chat with Sean, we're going to be meeting with two of her clients or members of, of Blind Begin or former members of Blind Beginnings, I guess. Um, so I'm going to ask Nika and Ginny to introduce themselves to you. And so maybe you could start, Nika. Sure. Hi, my name is Nika. I'm 21 years old and I go to university and I'm studying food and nutritional sciences to hopefully be a naturopathic doctor or a registered dietitian. What about you, Ginny? As Hannah said, my name is Ginny. Uh, I uh, came into Blind Beginnings in 2014 as part of uh, their youth leadership program. I'm now just a volunteer, a youth mentor and alumni. I've been fully blind since birth and I'm currently um, in university as well um, in my upper years. I'm hoping to graduate with a Bachelor of Arts in uh, that majors in creative writing and a history minor and a journalism certificate. So I forgot to ask you, Nika, do you have some vision? Are you totally blind? Uh, so my condition is called Peter's Anomaly and I do have some vision. I have most of my vision in my left eye so I can see shapes and colors, um, but I can't see small details unless I'm super up close. Right. Are you a Braille user? Uh, yes, I'm a Braille user. And I also, well, recently started using a guide dog. But before that, I would always need to use a mobility cane. Can you tell us a little bit about your your first kind of experiences in a regular school with regular kids? And what did your school days look like? Uh, so I had something called an EA or education assistant, and I had the same EA through kindergarten all the way until grade 12. And when I was younger, kind of in my formative years, um, she would like spend a lot more time with me just when we did more hands-on uh, craft projects and also just kind of supervising me when I would play with other kids. And then as I entered high school, uh, she was only with me during math and science-based classes or classes where there was a potential kind of safety risk, like woodworking. I also had a vision teacher for uh, elementary school. And when I was in kindergarten, um, that's when I started learning Braille. So whenever other kids would be kind of doing their handwriting practice or just their grammar and learning their alphabet, I would go work with my vision teacher on Braille. How was it to leave the classroom? Did that make you feel different or were you cool with that? Um, I was okay with it because um, in my elementary school, we kind of had a separate room and we called it the rainbow room. And I kind of thought it was really cool that it was called that. And 
it was like decorated really pretty and there were other kids in there too kind of like who had various other disabilities so I didn't feel super left out and I think back then I didn't really have the concept of normal or I didn't really have that whole wanting to be like everyone else thing just because I was so young. So Ginny, what about you when you went through elementary and high school? Were you, uh, you had an uh, educational assistant as well and a vision teacher? A similar experience um, to Nika's, but um, so yeah, so going through kindergarten to elementary school, I had one EA slash Braillist. So making my materials in Braille and then being the educational assistant. Like Nika, um, when everyone else was learning handwriting, I was learning Braille. And then around uh, grade four, I, they introduced me to the laptop. I wasn't fully using it yet, but that's when I received it. Um, I also uh, had a lot of changes in vision teachers uh, really quickly. Um, and I think that's also due to the fact that I live in Aldergrove, which is like a very small town. Um, and we don't really have as many resources as um, the city does, or the main parts uh, do. So we, I had a lot of switching of EAs and a lot of switching of vision teachers until about grade I want to say two or three, then I did have one person who was pretty consistent until uh, grade 12. Uh, Once I entered middle school and high school, I started really noticing a bit more of those differences, as you'd say, because that's when that starts to really come into effect for a lot of kids as your teen years, uh, kind of getting older. And I think for me, it was kind of seeing... um, everyone else going out and kind of being on the fields, playground, I couldn't really do that. I never really got that mobility to be in open spaces. So I remember I would always just stand by the classroom um, for the entirety of recess or lunch. Another thing was they developed the buddy system. So students signed up to be my buddy for recess or lunch. Um, Sometimes they were older students, sometimes from the class. That definitely made me feel odd and different. Uh, Just, you know, being signed up to look after or to uh, be partnered with. I do understand the intention uh, was to kind of like, you know, build those friendships and kind of uh, start that, but definitely was not like that at all. Um, And sometimes uh, when we'd return, my teacher would often give them, you know, he kept like a box of candy for like uh, games and stuff in his drawer and he'd give them usually a candy, which kind of definitely made me feel like they got like some sort of prize or something for hanging out with, with the blind girl. So what about you, Nika? Did you have some of those similar challenges in school as well in terms of, of socializing and being part of what was going on? Um, I think, the buddy system at my school was never really a thing except for, I remember, movies. For some reason, my EA did not like describing movies to me, so she would always get um, other students to do it. Uh-huh. Um, and socialization was never really an issue for me until grade seven. And I think that's kind of maybe when people started realizing that I was different. I'm not really sure why, but I had no problem making friends or at least 
what I thought were friends. Um, I would like go to other people's houses and they'd come over, Mm -hmm. um, all the things. And in grade seven, that's kind of when people would stop talking to me. And that's kind of when I would just sit in the corner and read during like recess or lunchtime. And then in high school, there was a period where I would actually go home for lunch um, and didn't stay at school. But then kind of eventually, maybe starting in grade nine, grade 10, especially, is when I actually started to make friends and hang out with people, I would say. So where did Blind Beginnings come into your lives, both of you? Uh, So I joined Blind Beginnings 12 years ago when I was nine. And it was actually through my vision teacher at the time was telling my mom kind of about this organization that Sean started. And at that point, it was pretty new, maybe only two or three years old. And I think as a kid, um, I still kind of had sighted friends. But then I when it joined Blind Beginnings and went to their programs, that's when I definitely made more friends. And I think that's also just somewhere where I felt more comfortable and got introduced to more mentors and older people who I could look up to because I didn't have that at the time um and definitely when I got older because when I was a teenager I had a lot of kind of mental health struggles so Sean really helped me through it not as a counselor because she couldn't be my counselor but just having someone to be able to talk to who understood what I was feeling as well as just having other friends just because my first one and a half to two years of high school and then my last year of elementary school were just so isolating and I lost a lot of my confidence and kind of being in blind beginnings inspired me to actually get into volunteering and volunteer in my community and volunteer at my local library which I never thought I'd be able to do and I was able to join school clubs which is again something that I never even thought of. So what about your story? Ginny? When I was growing up, I knew no one else who was blind, not even someone who was partially blind, like uh, nothing at all. I was the only one um, until maybe I was 11 or 12. I started going to summer camps and that's where I would meet people, but I'd only meet them once a year and see them once a year. And then it was back to my regular life and kind of being isolated again. You're uh, participating in Podcast 5 on education, and really what keeps coming up in education uh, over and over again, that education can't be seen as just education for the sake of education. That it seems that um, if, well, the education system takes the approach of, well, you're just here for education, you're just here in the classroom, the rest of your life doesn't really matter, how you socialize with other people doesn't really matter, education is what we're all about. And Mm -hmm. I know that this entire interview, you've been talking about something different, right? You've been talking about how you feel included, not included, how you feel included in Blind Beginnings, but at certain times not included in school um, has had an impact on you. So I just wonder if, if either of you or both of you can comment on that. Yeah, education isn't, you're not just going there doing your math and science and coming home, right? Schools, even nowadays, have so many different aspects to them, whether that's after school clubs and um, all these other things. And I think that's, you know, we're not, we're trying to educate 
uh, kids on various different things now. The education system is growing to encompass a large variety of different topics. And even as a kid and when you're in kindergarten, you do learn to socialize. You don't have those skills yet. And I do think that's a part of education. And I think when you hear the word education, just because it's so rooted in academia, you don't really understand it to its full effect. How about you, Nika? For sure. I mean, there's so many skills, I think, that they learn in school that aren't academic related, like parallel play or small group play and uh, all the interactions between each other and individual interactions. And I actually was volunteering in an elementary school these past couple months. And something I noticed is that there's been a lot of mental health and emotional intelligence implementation, just because I feel like when people think intelligence, they think kind of academics, math, science, English, socials, and that's all great. But then why can't we honor other types of education, which I found that when I was going through the school system, uh, those different types of intelligence weren't being honored. And now I've definitely noticed that a lot of it is being more implemented and more kind of outside of the box teaching is being implemented as well. How have things changed for you now that you're in university? What what experiences has that brought uh, leaving high school and now in university? I think that's a big, big question. I think just kind of backing it up, I think the transition from high school to university needs to be way better. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not really properly prepared. In fact, they were just... Uh, my school and my support team are telling me to just take an extra year because that's something I could do. But if there was no need for that, I didn't want to do that. I think I was lucky and fortunate to know other students who had gone to university before me who I could ask a lot of questions of. And I think if I didn't have that, I probably might not have succeeded. Um, as well as with Blind Beginnings, I had Sean to ask a lot of questions of. So again, if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have succeeded. How about you, Nika? I agree with the transition <laughs> process not um, needing to be improved. And my situation was kind of complicated because all throughout high school, I did not have a vision teacher. Um, I had people filling in filling in and kind of trying to fill that role, but I never had a certified vision teacher actually work with me. So in a way, I was kind of used to being on my own because that's the thing with university is you don't really have people advocating for you. But at the same time, it also did make things very difficult because I felt like I didn't get to learn a lot of the skills that I needed to learn. Um, I know that a lot of times like vision teachers are the ones who go over like the transition um, into university. And I was never really given any of that. I was never told what to expect. In fact, if it wasn't for blind beginnings in the first place, I would have never even known that schools would have an accessibility center or um, about like assistive technology that I can get um, a grant for like ABC. Well, thanks so much, Ginny and Nika. That was super interesting. It was really, really great to hear your experiences and and your opinions on what worked and what didn't work and and what a difference Blind Beginnings made in both your lives. Thanks for being on Triple Vision. Well, this concludes our exploration of the history 
of education for blind Canadians. But obviously, there is so much more we could talk about. It seems to me that we are now at the point of our history where we are decolonizing the education institutions into an integrated model where our students are now supported with digital technologies and special services. I agree, David. I mean, it's been a really rich series. I've learned a lot. You know, I didn't know much about some of these other schools. And my takeaway is the fact that when we talk about education, much more happens in that setting than just going to school, sitting down in a classroom, listening to the teacher, doing exams, whatever that education system is. It's about how we are socialized and how we interact with our peers. What do you think, Hannah? I was really impressed by the principal of W. Ross McDonald School when he talked about the socio-emotional aspect to education and how they feel at W. Ross they've had addressed that really well and that the kids in the public school system really fall short of their research statistics on wellness, like student wellness. And the, the girls from Blind Beginnings also talked about how they felt being integrated because they, they went through their entire educations as integrated kids. And, you know, we don't really think about that whole business of sending a kid to a mainstream public school. And we what they do with them now, the model they use is called an individual education plan or an IEP. And that involves a vision teacher and, and maybe a classroom assistant for the child. And that's about it. The child has helped with, you know, adapted materials and everything, alternate formats. But, you know, that individual education plan hasn't evolved at all to address the social and emotional needs of these kids in the schools. I mean, we hear over and over again about how kids aren't, don't have friends from school. Like they, they just don't have a social circle from their mainstream school. The other thing that I wanted to say was I'm I sort of when you sit back and listen to all these stories the thing that really impressed me is how blind people have taken it upon themselves to solve a lot of these problems. You know, Philip Layton started the school for the blind in Montreal. He was totally blind. I can't remember the fellow who started the school in Halifax, but again, he Fraser. was totally Fraser, yes. And he was totally blind. And even the library system was started by a blind uh, was it Robinson? Mm-hmm, Bert Robinson. Yeah, yeah, Bert Robinson. And then Blind Beginnings now, like Sean Marcellet is trying to fill this gap, this social emotional gap. It's interesting. You know, obviously we had our podcast series on advocacy a short time ago, and advocacy and consumerism is, uh, the, you know, one of the things that we've been touching on as we go ahead through the history. But really, that's consumerism in action when you see what Philip Layton did, when you see what Bert Robinson did, when you see what happened in Halifax uh, starting that school. And that's, um, that's advocacy and consumerism going way back when. Our next podcast series, we're going to shift to employment, obviously another big topic. And um, looking forward to everyone listening in then and joining us for Triple Vision as we tackle the big issue of employment. Triple Vision is made possible by the generous support of T-Base Communications and the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. Triple Vision is produced in collaboration with Accessible Media Inc., AMI-audio. Jacob Shemansky is the technical producer and Andy Frank 
is the manager of AMI-audio. And finally, thank you for joining us on this journey. If you would like to reach out to Triple Vision with questions and comments, you can reach us at triplevision21 at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at triplevision21.